Welcome, all you blokes and chillers, to the Sport Shack from the Gold Coast, Australia. In the Sport Shack this week, we're going to talk about some of the sporting topics of the week and go back in time with some of our favourite sporting memories from the past as well as the news and events, music and film, and lots more. And all from and with our great mate, Paul Tonner. We acknowledge the Ugambe people, past and present, the traditional custodians of this land, of the Gold Coast. We thank the Yogambe people for the opportunities to do this podcast on their land. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Sports Shack. I hope you are well and have had a great sporting week. Hi Glenn. Hi hey, Paul. How you going? Um, pretty good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've had a well, quite an interesting week, so. Yeah, it's yeah, but I did, I did a, throughout the week, I, I did a, a mini retreat. Oh, okay. What, what did that involve? Meditating three times a day. Oh, well done. And positive thinking throughout the day. Yeah. Yeah, to help me with my anxiety. Yeah. And, yeah, it's really worked, really oh, helped. That's great. Yeah. 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 And, um, yeah, just... Sitting around with things, just making some sound effects, and yep. trying to not spend a thousand go out and buy the new, road, the new console, the roadcaster. Yeah, too. But yeah, I think I'll have to <laughs> just bite the bullet. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like when when you're meditating, how how are you doing it? You're doing it in well the 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 morning and evening one. Um, <laughs> is um, a guided meditation. Yep. And the one at lunchtime is a meditation that I just, um, I'm meditating wherever thoughts yep. come through to my mind, I just acknowledge them. That's great. Because w- with the anxiety building up, my mind was giving me, yeah, making up false stories. Yeah. Which yeah, the body becomes to believe that that's right. That's going to happen, but it's never happened in the past. Yeah, actions have a lot to do with thoughts. So, it, yeah, 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 but also, um, yeah, it's like planning. Yeah, you, you may be, yeah, you know, like with me, when I drive, I'm always looking around and mm. yeah, think of like if a car comes too close. I have a scenario, I think of a scenario to go to, yeah, to avoid an accident, even though it might not be my fault. Mm. So, you know, the mind can say, well, because the body wants to be safe. Yeah. And the mind can go, well, what if this happens or what if that happens? Yeah. And because it's a fearful thought. Yeah, just yeah. living in the present. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I do a mindfulness book. Yeah, so uh, you know, I do a lot of activities to help me focus, like you know, word finds and yeah. dot to dots, and even just a bit of coloring. And yeah, yeah meditation's always been a challenge for myself. But, yeah. Oh boy, would have been helpful years ago though. You yeah. know, when I was playing sport, and because what I learned, I did a sports psychology unit. At um, yeah. university years ago, and there's a there's an optimal amount of 
anxiety arousal. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not going, you know, outside that range. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, there's things that I'm learning now that, oh, boy, it would have been helpful years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but at least you can pass them on to others. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, going yeah. through learning the um, experience mm. it can help others. Yeah. Yeah, because it's good because I think we look for um, reassurance. Yeah. That, that, you know, when something comes along in life, you think you're the only one that's having to go through it. Mm. But when you find, get yeah you know, reinsurance that someone else has been through the same thing, yeah, yeah, it, ma- it makes a difference. I, l- I listened to a very inspiring podcast early in, yeah, during the week. Yeah, it was on uh, Gary Jubelin, yeah. a former detective. Yeah. He's a famous famous detective here in Australia, and he interviews different people on his podcast yeah. every week. You know, yeah. some are, yeah. you know. Um, well, most of them, you know, former detectives and, yeah. you know, people have worked in the police force for years. and But some yeah. of them are like former criminals. and yeah. yeah, but he had a really interesting one on on uh, this week. It was, you know, oh, what's their name again? Um, it was a family. Yeah, their son was killed about 10 years ago by a, a one-hit. Yeah, he was just walking around one, King's one, Cross. One-hit punch. Yeah. Just minding yeah. his own business with his girlfriend, and yeah. Uh, yeah, he was hit and you know died, and it was oh, really sad. And yeah. uh, you know, and about oh, a couple of years after that, yeah, their youngest son took his own life. You know, and yeah. so they lost two sons. Yeah, and they were just talking about the way you know that they've, especially. Um, uh, I think his name's uh, it was Thomas Kelly, I think. Yeah. 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 And uh, you know, how they've dealt with their grief and but how he tries to look on the positive side of life. Yeah. How he you know, he practices being grateful every day and yeah. just focusing on the you know, the nice things. Yeah. 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 But just, uh, you know, so inspirational, like, yeah. just listening to them both, talking about their experience. And, yeah. And they, you know, they do a lot of stuff for charity now. Like, they actually go out on the streets and, yeah. you know, help people that are, you know, really drunk around Sydney and yeah. try and get them home safely. And, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I was listening to a podcast um, well, Anderson is a Australian mm. comedian. Yeah, and um, he, he was interviewing another great Australian comedian. Yeah, Ma- Mikey Robbins. Oh yeah, 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 I've heard of him. And um, apparently, when Will Anderson started off in co- doing comedy, he was really struggling. Yeah, and um, it was Mikey Robbins that that. Mm. Helped him get through it. Yeah. Because I think um, Will Anderson was battling with depression oh, okay. at the time. But Rob, Mikey Robbins didn't find out until this podcast. It was actually him that helped Will get through the, yeah. you know, the time of getting up on stage and, mm. and 
that. Yeah, that's all it takes, isn't it? You know, remember we we're doing that episode on um, with Andrew Lloyd. Yeah. You know, and his wife was killed in that car accident. And yeah. Yeah, and it was Robert D. Costello's brother. You know, he just needed that one person to, yeah. you know, he really supported him to help him try and get through it. And yeah. Yeah, Ralph and Kathy Kelly, their name is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they're on, a, they're on a mission to make the world a kinder place. Yeah. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, anyway, um, yeah, my, how, <laughs> my mate Nick Kyrgios, what about him? Yeah. He's in the final, the men's final at Wimbledon. Yeah, because, what, the, the guy pulled out. Yeah, Nadal pulled out, yeah. he was injured. Yeah. yeah, I heard them talking about that yesterday and they reckon mm. there's another round that they should have done. Yeah, yeah. So, see, the reason he pulled out, like he had that abdominal tear and... Yeah. Um, yeah, he just would have made it worse. Like, he, he still had two games to go, you know. If, even if he beat Kyrgios, he would have gone into the final and he, he just would have been – it would have been hopeless because those sort of injuries, you just make them worse, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they really need rest. So, uh, yeah. yeah, Rafa did the right thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's got, <laughs> he's got a big – it's a big ask, though. He's got to beat – Novak Djokovic in the final, yeah. But he's got pretty good record against him, actually. Yeah. So you never know, but he doesn't have the temperament. Yeah. Yeah. But still, yeah, it's a great effort to yeah. make the final. Yeah. Hopefully, it might help him grow up a bit. But yeah, yeah no, I'd love to see him win. You know. Yeah. But this is it, like, yeah, the <laughs> tall poppy syndrome we have. You know, if Nick Kyrgios was an American athlete, like, yeah. uh, you know, so. Back in the eighties, of John McEnroe, yeah. yeah, they would have just loved, you know, yeah, they just loved and adored him. Yeah, where, you know, we we don't do that here, do we? No. Nah. Yeah. Oh, we might do it for, but it doesn't last long. Mm. Yeah, it's only a short period of time. If no, oh, yeah. an Australian sportsman is doing well on the world stage, they'll um, yeah, oh, he's an Aussie, blah blah blah, and stuff like that, but. Yeah. Yeah, it fades out after a week or so. Yep. Yeah. That's right. And old Boris Johnson, the Prime, yeah, he's prime gone. Minister. Gone. No, but he's still Prime Minister. Yeah, is he? Yeah. Well, because I thought that was a bit strange because, um, yeah, Livy and I had the news on this morning. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, this former Japanese Prime Minister was assassinated. Yeah. And, you know, all these leaders around the world are sending their condolences yeah. on TV and, and yeah. there's Boris Johnson. I go, that's weird. Didn't he get the chop yesterday? Yeah, no, no yeah. apparently it could take up to a few months. Oh, really? Yeah, so yeah, I think if the, um, like, yeah, we've had plenty of prime ministers changed in Australia. Oh, have we? Yeah, during, yeah while in government. Mm. So I don't know what's... Um, making it so hard over there. Yeah, they they they're exactly the same, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. But jeez, yeah, uh, I wish it was different here in Queensland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the, yeah. We can't get rid of them. The, the, she's had a slap on the wrist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the corruption and that. Yeah, a koala yeah. bear that party. Yeah, and mm. um, the former chief of F one. Bernie Eggleston yeah. stood up uh, 
you know, saying that he would take a take a bullet for the Russian Prime Minister. Oh, he reckons, uh, you know, he's a great guy. Well, he needs a he needs a quadruple slap. Oh, maybe this uh, strike of lightning. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh. Also, I'll give a strike of lightning to the last weekend. Some um, hunters went on to my parents' property because there's wild deer around and shot a, shot a deer, male deer, chopped its head off Yeah, and, and left the carcass there. Who did this? I don't know. Oh, God. Yeah, but yeah they're mongrels, so yeah. maybe they should be given what mm. they gave the deer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, if I see them do it again while I'm down there, I'll be, <laughs> be removing them from the gene pool. Did I tell you the story about when I was in Switzerland years ago? I was going for a jog in this beautiful countryside next to the. Lassoon there, Lake Lassoon. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this massive deer's <laughs> just come from nowhere and it's gone whoosh. Yeah. And it's missed me by about a coat of paint. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. I think that's the only time I've ever seen one. Yeah. But, you know, we, we seem to have heaps of them here. And yeah, no, well, the, yeah. I think, I forget which period of time it was, but there was, you know, deer farming became... Mm. Popular, yeah, and then when the um, especially down Port Macquarie way, and then them in the market, the ass side of the market, yeah, that, that, you know, they just let the deer go, yeah, you know, just let them roam around, and you know, they've mm. they're now a pest in the stri- yeah, down there and yeah. you know, the parts of Australia. No, I'm lucky. I just can't stand the sight of you know, yeah, animals being shot. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, mm. yeah, we'll talk about some winners of the week. Yeah, yeah. So Aussie Joy Opatia, I hadn't heard of him before. Yeah, he's the new IBF cruiserweight champion of the world, and he he upset Maris Breedis from Latvia. And it was here at the Gold Coast at the convention centre last weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So he, it's got to be the gutsiest performance ever. He, um, yeah, he had two, he had a double fractured jaw during yeah. the fight. Like, yeah. Yeah, he had a break on both sides. Wow. Yeah. And at the end of the fight, <laughs> he had to get his, like, someone from his team to answer his questions because the poor bugger couldn't talk. Yeah. Yeah. So he'll be sipping through a straw for a while. <laughs> mm. And eating jelly. Yeah, and uh, another big winner, <laughs> the English cricket team. Yeah. Bless my soul. Yeah, they had a yeah, great comeback win to beat India in the mm. test match at Ed- Edgbaston yeah. during the week. Yeah, Joe Root and Johnny Bairstow. Yeah, mm. they both got hundreds in the second inning. So Johnny Bairstow got double hundreds. Yeah. Hundred and eight Jennings, yeah. and they're calling it Bazball after Brendan McCullum, who's uh-huh. taken over the the coaching role, a great New Zealand batsman. Yeah. Who, you know, he could. He was a really quick scorer. 
Yeah. And I think he still holds a record, Brendan McCallum, for the, the, the fastest test century, yeah. which he got against New Zealand. I think it was in his very last test match. Uh, and uh, yeah, but they've what's been happening? They've won all their four tests this summer over there. Yeah, when they've been behind, yeah, and they've been chasing these massive um, second innings totals. Yeah, and just by going out and just having a go, uh, yeah. it's come off for them. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, just looking at some losers. Well, he's a winner and a loser, really. Yeah. England's, yeah, fast bowler Stuart Broad. He's, yeah. he's one of the greatest fast bowlers of all time. But he yeah. he holds two uh, records that I'm sure he wouldn't like to have. <laughs> like he, he um, got hit for 35 runs yeah. off, a, off, off one of his overs. Oh, yeah. And it was, <laughs> the batsman was, yeah, Jasper Boomra, the, the great Indian fast bowler. Yeah. He bats like number 11. Uh, yeah, and he took 35 runs off his over. And yeah. it's a world record in Test cricket. Yeah. And, yeah, Stuart Broad, this was about, oh, 10 years ago, he, in a 2020 international, he got hit for six sixes in an over. Yeah. So 36 runs in an over. Yeah. Uh, but, oh, boy, he, he loves bowling against Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, <laughs> this is a good one. I couldn't believe it when I heard this. Do you know where Sierra Leone is? I've heard of it. I don't know exactly where it is. Yeah, it's a small country in Western Africa. Very poor country. Yeah, yeah, so it's out near where Eric Mossambasi from Equatorial Guinea out that way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So the only thing I know about Sierra Leone, it's that um, movie with, what was his name? Oh, DiCaprio, yeah. that bloke, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. yeah. I forget the movie. but And also, it was in the Commonwealth Games in 1994. One of their sprinters, I think he got a silver medal in the 100 metres. Yeah. And it was, oh, you know, the country was rejoicing. And the next day, <laughs> he got it taken off him because he was busted for steroids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but in, this is their first division uh, soccer, right? Mm-hmm. Now the African nation, Sierra Leone, their, their football league, they're doing an investigation into uh, some of their first grade clubs. Yeah, because one one of the matches, the score was get ready for this: ninety one goals to one. Yeah. <laughs> the is other this, game is this football. Yeah. Oh. The other game was ninety five to nil. <laughs> <laughs> and how long does a football match go for? 90 minutes. So, that, it, so that's a, a bit over a goal. That's a goal a minute. Uh, what, were, what were the opposition doing? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when someone kicks a goal, yeah. don't they go back to the centre? Yeah. And start from there. Well, you've got you got injury time too, <laughs> so that's like a couple of minutes. But yeah, yeah, but even even kicking the goal, then taking it back to the centre. Yeah, would you think would take more than a minute? <laughs> yeah, this so, is fair income. Well, I couldn't believe it. I'm going to Google it to make yeah. sure I'm not dreaming. Yeah. I heard it on this sports show, like, uh, so yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, I'll give a, a slap to the power generation companies in Australia. There we are. Yeah. Ninety-five to nil. Yes, yeah, so the football Sierra Leone Football Association investigate ninety-five to nil, ninety-one to one wins. What was that guy doing on the side? Just having <laughs> smoke with him. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. soccer. Yeah. Football, they call over there. Yeah. 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 Combine, combine of a combination of 187 goals and concerns of match fixing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, Scoop. Match fixing? <laughs> Golf FC defeated Kok Yuma Lebanon. Ninety-one yeah. to one, yeah. and then <laughs> Kahunla Rangers downed Loom Bebu United ninety-five to nil. Yeah, yeah, making things even stranger. Oh, get ready for this, right? Yeah, <laughs> this is, it gets even worse. Yeah. The halftime scores were seven goals to one. And two goals to nil, respectively. <laughs> That's impossible. So the first half, the score was low. Yeah. So how in that did they, did they manage to get another? So in the second game, they've scored 93 goals in the second half. In 45 minutes. How? How the, the, is it? Yeah. Is there a video clip of it? So they're saying here, the BBC reported, right, both winners were on the same number of points heading into the final round of matches for a spot in the National Super 10 League. Yeah. Yeah. So the two games took place at the same time with the referee in Golf FC's match refusing to officiate the second half. Yeah. <laughs> Lembebu had three men sent off on their way to their 95 to nil drubbing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I just can't work that out. Yeah. yeah like, and it's like what you're saying. Like a kickoff takes two minutes. Yeah. That would be 40 goals. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, it's beyond comprehension. Yeah. Apparently, the record is said to belong to Madagascar's AS Adema, which beat S O L M M E R M E M Y R N E 149 to nil back in 2002. Now, I don't know what in an international match, I know Australia had it at one stage, whether they still have it. It was um, when they beat American Samoa. Yeah. This is going back about 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, at Coffs Harbour. They beat them like 32 to nil or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I could understand that, but, yeah, 90, mm. 99 to 1 or whatever it was. It yeah. Was, yeah. I think they need more than an investigation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. My other loser is rugby league contracts. Oh, gosh. Yeah. They just, what's the point in them, you know? Because you got Reese Walsh now. He plays for New Zealand Warriors. He wants to come back to Brisbane, you know, to be with his kids. Yeah. Um, 
which is fair enough, yeah. you know. So he's broken that big contract that he had at the Warriors. But guess where he's going? Yeah. Do you think he's yeah. going to the Broncos or the new Dolphins club? New Dolphins? No, he's going to the Broncos. Yeah. yeah. Your favourite team. Well, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> like, I'll tell you what, this Dolphins team, I know they've got a great coach next year, Wayne Bennett. Yeah. But, you know, the, the NRL's not doing them any favours. Yeah. Yeah, uh, because I'm, not, I'm sure they're not going to get lapped 95 to nil. <laughs> <laughs> or a 1,000 nil. Yeah. But, um, you know, like, he should be going to the Dolphins. He shouldn't yeah. be going to the Broncos, you know. Like, and this is what the AFL did, you know, when the Gold Coast Suns and the uh, GWS came in. Yeah, yeah, they they really helped them to develop. So yeah. they, a lot of players, you know, that yeah. were coming off contract, you know, they made them go to these new teams. Yeah, yeah, and you know, because if they didn't, they were going to get bloody, you know, lapped by a hundred points every week. Yeah. Yeah, but no, they're just they're just not doing anything to help them out. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the NRL they're a loser. Mm. Anyway, <coughs> pardon me. We'll look at some sports news from around the globe now. So it's the women's Euro twenty two tournament. Is it kicked off in England? And there's 16 teams in four groups, and England defeated Austria in the first game, and it was delayed one year ago due to COVID. Now, US female basketball star Brittany Griner, she appealed, appeared in the Russian court on drug charges. So she's, there's a suspicion of her possessing cannabis. So she's a two-time US Olympic gold medalist and just had the latest news overnight, she's pleaded guilty to those charges. So, yeah. yeah, she's in all sorts of trouble. So she could be facing up to 10 years in jail. Yeah. Mm. Could be more in a Russian court. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not the sort of place you want to be at the moment. No. Now, Mike Greyer, he became the first black general manager in NHL history. So it's a National Hockey League in America. Yeah, the team's the San Jose Sharks. Now, we, we were just talking about uh, the Wimbledon final. Mm. Yeah, so Novak Djokovic is playing Nick Kyrgios. Yeah. And, yeah, Simona Halep, yeah, she was on target to win Wimbledon because she, she hadn't even lost a set on the way to the semis, but, no, she got bundled out. Yeah. So uh, yeah, they got you got two unknowns in the Wimbledon ladies final. Yeah, yeah. I'm just uh, trying to think what their names are again. Here we are. Yeah, Wimbledon. One of them's from Kazakhstan. I know that of all places. What's <laughs> Kazakhstan famous for, Glenn? Kazakhstan. <laughs> Can't think of the moment. It was a movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But was it Borat? Oh, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it's uh, Alina Rybakina. I was watching her play out one of our, our Aussie girl the other night. Yeah. Um, yeah, and she um, she had a good serve on her, this uh, Alina from Kazakhstan. Yeah. So she's playing Onst Jabur. Mm. Yeah, so it's a 
third seed versus 17th seed. Yeah. Now, I haven't heard of any of either of them, but just imagine if, you know, well, we can't talk about it now, I guess, but, mm. yeah, our old Ash Party's not there. Uh. I think she's from Turkey. Yeah. So we've got a Kazakhstani versus a, a Turk. Gosh, you wouldn't pick that, would you? Uh. Mm. Okay. So last week we discussed the fascinating career of American sportsman Bo Jackson, who excelled in both American football and baseball, playing both sports at a professional level. So this week we're going to discuss some other sports people over the years who have excelled in two sports or even more. So some are more successful than others. So when you think of sports people have excelled in two sports, what comes to your mind, Glenn? Well, I started to have a look at on Google it, and I was looking for Australian, mm. and it, yeah, Shane one came up. Yeah, yeah, but it it classified poker as a sport. I thought, mm, yeah, he was travelling around the world playing. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah but how, mm. yeah. I find it hard to classify poker as a sport. Yeah, I don't think it's a sport. Well, well yeah. it came up on Google. It's a hobby. Yeah. yeah, I agree. But also he was um, in AFL. Mm. Yeah, before he really took off in cricket. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so he could yeah. done pretty well in that. Well, he played in the minor grades for St yeah. Kilda. But yeah. it was when he, he got the chop from... Um, St Kilda, that's the only reason why he focused on his cricket Yeah. after that. If any, yeah. Like, he wanted to be a AFL player more than a cricket player. Yeah. So thank God <laughs> for yeah. that. <laughs> the rest was history, eh? Yeah. Yeah, gosh, turned out to be the greatest spin bowler of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Any others come to mind? Or? Uh, yeah, just trying to think. Yeah, no, continue if it comes up, I'll say it. Yeah, well, the ones I think of, uh, some of the ones, you know, we've spoken about them in the, the form of Where Are They Nowers. So, Yana Pittman, you know, she was, when we we went into detail about her career, you know, she was a world champion 400-metre hurdler and then she went into um, the Winter Olympics and became a, a bobslayer. Didn't she? Yeah. And Viv Richards, you know, he played football for Antigua, as well as being one of the greatest batsmen of all time for the West Indies. And, yeah, I remember back in the 80s, Jeff Fennick, the great Aussie boxer. Yeah. He he put the gloves away for a while, you know, because he was having problems with his hands and, you know, broken hands. And, yeah, he had a short stint with Parramatta. Played yeah, in yeah. reserve grade for Para. Yeah. And one of the ones, you know, Carmichael Hunt. We spoke about him oh, a couple of weeks back. But, oh, boy, he, he's the first player that um, went from the NRL to the AFL. Yeah. And, yeah, this was when, you know, um, the Gold Coast Suns came into the competition. Yeah. Yeah, around just over 10 years ago. But yeah, he he did very quite well for the Suns. Yeah. He turned into you know like a regular. But there must have been something they saw in him, you know. And he was a in, you know played rugby league for Australia and Queensland and the Broncos. And yeah. 
Yeah. Because when I was looking around, I'd, I'd seen um, it was quite there was quite a few sports people that that but yeah. Mm. But in the football, yeah, they'd, they'd either be rugby league, then go to rugby union, and yeah. other type yeah, type of football. Mm. Yeah. But you know, you've got the the um, like rugby league and rugby union. Yeah, but that's been going on for years, like switching, you know, they switch codes. Yeah. Yeah, but they're much the same game, aren't they? But, yeah, like Ian Botham and his son Liam Botham, you know, both uh, played cricket, you know, Ian Botham, one of the greatest all-rounders of all time, but both played um, professional football too when they were younger. And Ian Chappell and Alan Border, they both played high-level baseball early in their careers. Yeah. I think Ian Chappell, he played in the – the um, what they call it, the Claxton Shield. Yeah, yeah, that's the Australian baseball competition. Yeah. So yeah, this is what a lot of a lot of guys I used to play with. Like they would play uh, cricket in summer and baseball in winter. Yeah, yeah, and they found you know, and that's one big regret that I have is not playing, not ever playing baseball. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because I reckon it would have really improved my eye. Because this is what they they said, you know, it was really good for their fielding, yeah. and good for their batting. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, changing your sport. To, yeah, yeah. You give your give your body a rest from, um, um, yeah, the the normal routine. Yeah, that's right. Because I know yeah. with with audio editing. I can spend hours on one track and, you know, listening to it over and over again and, um, you know, totally, you know, what's missing or, you know, mm. it's not quite right, but what is it? But by going and listening to another track, yeah, then coming back to it, you know, most of the times I've fixed a problem within yeah. you know, a couple of minutes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but Ash Barty's another one. You know, she gave up tennis for a while and played cricket in the women's BBL. Yeah. Yeah, and then went back to tennis, and yeah. you look what that did to her career. Yeah. You know, she went on to be world number one, and yeah. hopefully she'll make a comeback. Yeah. <laughs> might be. Might in the next week. <laughs> she might do John Farnham. Yeah. Yeah. Her comebacks. Okay, we're going to have our quiz now. Okay. Welcome. Wrong one. Wrong one. (laughs) Give me an uppercut. It's quiz time. It's quiz time with Olivia. Uh. That's enough, is it? (laughs) How are you, Olivia? Good, thank you. That's good. Are you on school holidays? Yeah, this is my second last day. Second last day. Second uh, last Monday. Yeah. Okay. Question one. Yeah. So you read the question and thinking music. Okay. If I remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. I forgot last week. Your father was looking at me going, the music, the music. Oh, that's right. I changed it. Yeah, so there's five questions. Okay. We normally do three. Okay. 
What is the name of the controversial rugby league star who left the NRL in 2014 and had a short stint playing as a running backslash return specialist for the San Francisco 49ers in the NFL? Here it is again. What is the name of the controversial rugby league star who left the NRL in 2014 and had a short stint playing as a run backslash return specialist for the San Francisco 49ers in the NFL? And the answer to that question is Jared Hayne. Question number two. Former Australian cricketer Simon O'Donnell played 24 VFL games in 1982 to 1983 for which team? Here it is again. Former Australian cricketer Simon O'Donnell played 24 VFL games in 1982 to 1983 for which team? And the answer to that question is St Kilda. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, Uh-oh. question number three. What is the name of the New Zealand Rugby League and Rugby Union great who ha- now has a career as a heavyweight boxer? Here it is again. What is the name of the New New Zealand Rugby League and Rugby Union great who now has a career as a heavyweight boxer? <laughs> And the answer to that question is Sonny Bill Williams. Uh, Bopping away there. Question number four. American basketball great Wilt Chamberlain excelled at what other sport? A. Baseball. C. B. Athletics. C. Volleyball. Hear that is again. American basketball great Wilt Chamberlain excelled at what other sport a baseball b athletics or c volleyball the answer to that question is c volleyball question number five last question australian fast bowling great Ray Lindwall played 31 games in the NSWRL competition for which famous club? A. Parramatta, B. St. George, or C. South Sydney. Here that is, one last time. Australian fast bowling great Ray Lindwall played 31 games in the NSWRL competition for which famous club? A. Parramatta. B, St. George, or C, South Sydney. (laughs) The answer to that question is B, St. George. Uh, Yeah, thank you, Olivia. This week's Who Am I? All right. I was born in September in 1990, and I am an. Oh, sorry. I was born in Sydney in 1990, and I am an Australian sportswoman who has represented my country in cricket and soccer. I debuted 
for both the national cricket team and the national soccer team at the young age of 16. And according to the Sydney Morning Herald, I am the youngest Australian to play international cricket and the first to have appeared in both ICC and FIFA World Cups. I played my first soccer international in 2007 as a defender against Hong Kong. Domestically, I played for I played for Central Coast Marinas, Canberra United, and then Sydney FC, and I played 18 internationals scoring 3 goals. Due to the growth and development of both sports and the demands for being a full-time professional athlete, I played my last game for soccer in 2015 and decided to focus solely on playing cricket. I have gone on to have an outstanding cricket career as a fast bowling all-rounder and considered by many to be one of the greatest female cricketers ever. I am an outstanding role model and have received great credit for my contribution to the rise of female presence in Australian sport. And the name will be real at the end of yes, this podcast. Thank you, Olivia. <laughs> Okay, that's enough. <laughs> okay, uh, before we move on, I've got a quiz for you, Paul. Yeah, I was just saying, Livy could get a job as a newsreader, couldn't she? Yeah. That's such a good job. Yeah. yeah. Righty, yeah. you got a quiz for me. Yeah, you've got a um, name in order. Yeah. If you can, these three people. Right. Okay. So, what are you going as? Um, rugby league player, yeah. Yeah, I might dress up as a Titan, I think. Just still hanging back, so too is Jack. Oh, penalty! Uh, preconceived ideas. I mean, I knew he was on the team. Uh, I was anxious to understand who my teammates were. Gosh. <laughs> They're tricky, those ones. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I didn't have any trouble last week. Yeah. 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 Gosh. No clues. Uh, I'm going the last one. I'll go Michael Jordan. That's good. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. even I was struggling to work that out. Yeah. Uh, second one, maybe it's either Sonny Bill Williams or Jeff Wilson. It's Graham Hughes. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, all right. He did some football commentary. Yeah. In his career. Yeah. Uh, Who was the first one? Well, I thought the Tysons would give it away. Jared Home? Yeah. Oh, it was Jared Home? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Okay. Ah. Okay, now. Let's, oh, I'll bugger this up with a knife. Where are they now? Okay, so yeah, we just mentioned his name, and I've always been fascinated with this guy. Yeah, he's a, a jack of all trades. Mm. Yeah, his name's Graham Hughes. Yeah, he's a former rugby league player, former state cricketer, and yeah, these days, well, for many, many years now, since he's retired, we've known him as a famous rugby league commentator. Yeah. Yeah, but he listened. He's been the host of a um, um, a Sydney sports talk show 
that I've been listening to for years. Yeah. Yeah, it's called Talking Sport on so, 2SM. Yeah. yeah, and he's no, just incredible career he's had. So, yeah, Graham Hughes, he was born in Sydney in 1965 and he's an Australian sportsman and later became a broadcaster. Now, according to the Sydney Morning Herald, he's the last man to have played both rugby league and cricket for New South Wales. So we're looking, this is, you know, back in the 70s. Yeah. yeah. So there's no way you could do that today. Yeah. yeah, so his father, Noel, played first-class cricket for Worcestershire in English County Cricket in the 1950s. Now, Graham Hughes is the youngest of the three Hughes brothers, so the others are Mark and Gary. Now, all three were members of the 1980 Canterbury-Bankstown Premiership winning side in the New South Wales Rugby League competition. So, yeah, in that team that you had three brothers as well. So you had Steve Mortimer, Chris Mortimer, Peter Mortimer. Yeah. So they were known as the family club. Mm. Uh, now, his uncle, Graham Hughes' uncle, I never knew this, is former rugby league administrator Peter Bullfrog Moore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, he passed away oh, some years ago now. But, yeah, he was like, you know, just an icon at yeah. that club. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. just every single player just speaks so highly of him, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and he just bent over backwards for, yeah. you know, not just the players but the, the families of the, the players and, yeah, and that's why they call it the family club too because, yeah. you know, he'd just look after everyone so well. So yeah. Hughes had most success in rugby league. However, cricket was his main love. He played for the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs from 1974 to 1982 and he made his first grade debut at 18 years of age. And at 19 years of age, he played for his state, New South Wales. So Hughes was a key member of the Bulldogs era in the late 1970s and early 80s where the team was labelled the entertainers for their entertaining style of play. Yeah, so what they'd do, you know, they'd throw the ball around and... You know, keep it alive all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. Because um, apparently most of the forwards, they'd grown up playing in the back line. Yeah. Yeah. So this is why, you know, yeah, they they were known as the entertainers. Because oh, yeah. back in those days, it was, you know, like, um, yeah, you had the five metre rule, not the ten metre rule they had today. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just a real grind, you know. Where with Canterbury, they just love to throw the ball around, and yeah. you look at—they oh, just scored some incredible tries back in those days. Yeah, yeah. So Hughes mentioned on the Sporting News Australia that in those days it was two hundred dollars for a win and twenty dollars for a loss at the start of his career. <laughs> <laughs> Times have changed. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, Matt Lodge, right? So the, the Roosters have um, offered him is. Because he's been playing for the Warriors and he doesn't want to play there because he's not happy there. Mm. But uh, yeah, the Sydney Roosters have offered him twenty thousand dollars a game uh. <laughs> for the rest of the season. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't get that back in those days. Uh. Yeah. So yeah, it was a tough era in rugby league back then. So um, you know, there was just headbutts. There was one. One game, I should put it online. He got headbutted by Les Boyd, yeah, <laughs> yeah the baby-faced assassin, yeah. Les Boyd. Yeah. 
Now, Hughes played second row in, in the grand final loss against St. George in 1979, and he starred the following year in Canterbury, Canterbury's 18 points to four victory over Eastern Suburbs in 1980. Now, Hughes received credit for helping set up the memorable Steve Gearan try to help seal the victory. Yeah, it's that famous try where, um, yeah, Greg Brettinelli puts up that big kick and Steve Gearan, he's running, you yeah. know, the ball's pop backwards, uh, yeah. going behind him and he's caught it on the full and yeah. it's one of the greatest, well, probably the greatest grand final try, try ever. Now, he has retired in 1982 after a series of injuries to focus on his media career. Now, Hughes was also a very talented cricketer, and according to Lyle Gardner in stumptostump.com, he made his grade career for Petersham Marrickville's third grade side during the 1971-72 season. So this is going back 50 years ago. So Hughes was a stylish left-handed batsman, and he made his first grade debut at just 17 years and 17 days of age against Western Suburbs. And his father, Noel, was also in the team this particular day at Marrickville Oval. So, yeah, he says that that day was like yeah. just one of his greatest highlights. Yeah. Know. So Hughes cemented his place in the first grade side and the following season was a member of the first grade premiership winning side. Now, Hughes would be part of three premierships in his first four seasons and he was one of the leading batsmen in the competition and scored 463 runs during the 1974-75 season. Yeah. Now, Hughes was selected to play for New South Wales in the Sheffield Shield competition during the 1975-76 season. Now, his first class debut was against Victoria and Melbourne, and he scored 19 and 13. Now, two matches later, Hughes joined Aussie Test All-Rounder Gary Gilmore at the SCG. And the pair put on 105 against South Australia with Graham's contribution of 35. <laughs> now, in all, Hughes played 20 matches for the New South Wales Blues over a three year period, scoring 604 runs, including three half centuries, with 65 at the MCG being his best knock. And he was also yeah, a handy fieldsman, too. He took 19 catches in the field. <laughs> So, yeah, he played with some of the greats of Australian cricket. You know, yeah. you're talking about Doug Walters and, yeah, uh, yeah you know, the, the New South Wales had some great players back then. Was he? Lenny Pascoe, yeah. Jeff Thompson. Yeah. He was he was in with Packer? No, no, he'd, he'd sort of, uh, oh, he didn't reach that standard, uh, you know. He, yeah. yeah, yeah, he wasn't. You know, it was all mainly the former Australian players who got picked by Packer. Yeah. Yeah. There might have been one or two Shield players. Yeah. Yeah, but generally it was all former Aussie players. Yeah. And they got a couple out of retirement, like uh, Ian Redpath and who was the other one? Um, Garth McKenzie too. Yeah. Yeah. So Hughes gave away first-class cricket to concentrate on his rugby league career. However, he continued to play grade cricket with Petersham Marrickville and was a leading player in the side over the years. Hughes captained the team in 1981-82 and in 1983-84 season he scored 784 runs for the season, which is a club record. 
Now, Hughes was one of the most consistent batsmen in Sydney grade cricket for many years. And despite not being available for all matches due to his football commitments, in both 1991 to 92, 92-93 seasons, he led the batting averages for the entire first grade competition with figures of 84.8 and 73.2 respectively. That's very good. He retired from cricket at the end of the 1993-94 season and accumulated a total of 6,538 first-grade runs in a career spanning 23 years. Yes, that's a long time. (laughs) I had no idea, because he would have been the head of the Channel 10 Rugby League commentary, you know, back in the – well, he was in the late 80s, early 90s, but I had no idea that he was still playing first-class cricket. Yeah. Yeah. So in regards to his rugby league career, he played, according to Wikipedia, 116 first-grade games for Canterbury-Bankstown, scoring 16 tries and 38 goals. And he was proud that he was a one-club player. And when he used to score his tries, he used to do this, most of the time, this big dive. (laughs) It's like a big belly flop over the try line. Now, Hughes became a well-respected media commentator broadcasting rugby league and the Seoul Olympics for Channel 10. Yeah, Yeah, so he made an impression straight away. Now, he grew grew up pretending he was the great rugby league caller, Frank Hyde, when he played games with his brothers in the backyard. Mm. Now, he began as a sideline eye and later became the voice of rugby league during the late 80s and the early 1990s, where he was the main commentator, play-by-play for Channel 10. Now, this was alongside Ian Maurice and the, our mate, the one and only Rex Mossett. Uh-uh. Yeah. Until 1991, when Channel 10 lost the TV rights to Channel 9. Now, I remember when he, there was one game, I think it was Parramatta and Canterbury, and back in the 80s, and this was when he was a sideline on, and Rex Mossett was calling the, the, um, was the main caller then. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Graham Hughes disagreed with this comment that um, that Rex said. You know, yeah. yeah, he disagreed. You know, made and it, it was a Parramatta try, and he agreed that it was a try. Yeah. Where Rex didn't think it was, and you know, Rex is going off at him, and yeah. Yeah. but um, yeah, no. So he, yeah, some some of his famous calls, uh, like he was the nineteen eighty nine Grand Final. You know, it's one of the greatest. Grand finals of all time. Yeah. And yeah, when Penrith won their first premiership, and he, he was the one who called, you know, at the end when Roy Simmons went over for that try in the corner. And Roycey Simmons, it's a try. Yeah, yeah so he had great pres- passion and excitement as a commentator. And yeah, many, many people have called for his return, actually. Mm. Yeah, but no, he. Doesn't want to commentate anymore. He's happy doing his, you know, gig on 2SM, which he's done for years. Yeah. So Hughes led the commentary team for the English leg of the 1990 Kangaroo Tour alongside David Morrow, including all three Ashes tests between Australia and Great Great Britain. Now, he also had a stint as Channel 7 commentator for the Australian tests in 1992-93 against Great Britain and New Zealand. 
before moving to New Zealand to call the Auckland Warriors matches in 1995 for Sky New Zealand. Now, midway through 2010, he published a book called Dogs at War, covering the controversial history of the Canterbury-Bankstown Rugby League Club. Yeah, so just talking about that cricket club he played for, uh, Petersham. Yeah, so they were called Marrickville Petersham then. Yeah. Yeah, but they they ended up becoming uh, Randwick Petersham. And I remember I used to go to Petersham a fair bit when I lived in Sydney, you know, yeah. going back 20 years ago. and Yeah, yeah Petersham Oval, oh, it's beautiful ground, just picturesque. And yeah. yeah, I used to go and watch their first grade team play. Yeah, oh, yeah. a lot of matches there. Yeah, it's a beautiful ground. Yeah, so let's look at what Graham Hughes is doing now. So he's now 66 years of age and he runs a media events organisation and has been a long-time host of the Sydney Radio 2SM sports talkback show, Talkin' Sport. Now, he's still involved with what is now the Randwick-Petersham Cricket Club, and is a popular master of ceremonies at the club's cricket functions. Now, in 2016, Hughes commentated the Manly vs Newcastle game during the NRL's retro round on Fox Sports. Now, he's also been a panellist on Controversy Corner on Fox Sports discussing the latest rugby league matters. And according to Andrew Webster in the Sydney Morning Herald, Hughes had a brain tumour. I didn't know this. Yeah. yeah. It was removed by leading specialist Charlie Teo last year. Now, Hughes kept the operation quiet from his listeners on, on his radio show. Now, the tumour was on the left side of his brain. Now, the reason why this is ironic is because fellow panellist on the Talking Sports show, former Test cricketer Gavin Robertson, now he required emergency surgery too a few years earlier. Now, he he nearly died from it. Yeah, Yeah. his was really serious. They didn't give him much hope. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so his brain cancer was the worst type, Gavin Robertson. It was, and he was only expected to live a few years. However, he's now, you know, he's still going well and he's still on the on the show. Yeah. Yeah. And Hughes said it spooks the living daylights out of you. You appreciate in life how good these people are. You're in their hands. What they do completely stuns you. Mm. So, yeah, Hughes is also doing well, and 95% of the cancer was, was uh, benign. Benign. benign, benign. Sorry, yeah. yeah. So yeah, just in regards to Gavin Robertson, so he's really good mates with um, Steve War and his wife. Yeah, yeah, and he's good mates with Charlie Teo. So oh, yeah. Gavin Robertson, he's um, I don't know whether he still is now, but he was one of the uh, help with the management of the GWS Giants. Yeah, and you know he he just complained a bit about like some blurry vision and, you know, that had been going yeah. on a bit. And and he was down in Melbourne at one of the Giants games. And, um, yeah, and all of a sudden, you know, he had a call from his mate Charlie Teo and Charlie Teo said, what are you doing right now? And, oh, yeah, I'm just at the game. And yeah. he said, well, you need to get on a plane right now. Steve War and his wife are going to meet you at the airport and they're yeah. going to bring you straight here to hospital and you're going to have surgery straight away. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. 
my son had um, appendicitis on and off for about seven years. Yeah. Yeah, he'd get crooked and then he'd get over it. Mm. Then the last time, I think it was, he was hadn't quite, quite turned 18. It up it was crooked. By the time we got to the doctors, he was fine. Yeah. He still went ahead and got the tests. And the doctors, um, and the hospital rang me back. No, sorry, the doctor rang me back three days later saying to get him to the hospital as soon as possible. Yeah. I was in the checkout check at Aldi, put it through, just, yeah, put my grocery through. Got home, grabbed all the bags and two hands and got up the stairs. Yeah. And my son's in on the computer. And um, telling him, yeah, put some stuff in the bag, I'll take, take you to hospital. And he thought I was joking around. Gosh. And I'm shoving bag, all the cold stuff in the fridge. Yeah. And yeah, we need to go. He said, oh, stop joking around. And I said, I'm not joking. Yeah. But they said, I'm fine. Yeah. Anyway, um, got to the hospital, gone to the emergency waiting room. And um, when they found that he hadn't turned 18 yet, um, they said, oh, you can go to the children's ward. And there was no waiting. Oh, that's yeah, handy. Yeah, so he got straight in. And, hey, jeez. Yeah, you know, sort of that. Hey. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah, well, um, what, what he was saying, yeah, Gavin Robinson, was that, um, yeah, Steve Waugh's wife was there. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he was thinking, oh, why is, I think her name's Lynette. Why is she, she, why is she here? And she said, you know, because she'd had a serious scare, like it was a similar sort of thing from memory. Yeah. Um, yeah, a couple of years earlier. And, yeah, you know, she said, oh, you were here for me when I was going through all this and yeah. I'm here for you right now. Yeah. But sometimes yeah, you really need someone there, don't you? Like yeah. I had a similar experience. Like I was practicing at you know cricket once, and uh, yeah. yeah, the ball's gone through my grill and smashed a contact lens. Yeah. So these are the days when I had the hard contact lenses, you know. Yeah. And um, you know, so I'd smashed glass all through my eye, and I've gone home and you know told mum about it. And, I just thought it was nothing. Oh, you know, it'll yeah. just all come out. And, yeah. and she <laughs> said, no, nope, we're going straight to the hospital right now. And apparently if I hadn't have gone, I could have lost, easily lost my eyesight. Yeah. Yeah, in that eye. Yeah. Oh. No, so, um, yeah, I was very lucky. Yeah, according to Adrian Presenko in the Sydney Morning Herald, the Hughes family is one of the most influential in the history of rugby league and with the Bulldogs. Unfortunately, the Hughes family have had a strained relationship for almost 15 years after a bit of of falling out with the club, so much so they surrendered their life memberships in 2009. Now, this was in protest at the club's decision not to give a life membership to former hooker, hooker Corey Hughes. Yeah, so it's not just the three brothers. It's, yes, um, I think it's mainly... Gary Hughes' sons, yeah, they all played first grade for Canterbury as well. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and they were quite good players, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, Stephen Hughes. I remember he scored the winning try in the 95 grand final for Canterbury. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so... Yeah, so it was the club's refusal to apologise to Gary, Gary Hughes, who was sacked after the Coffs Harbour sex scandal in 2004. Yeah, so Graham, Gary and Mark, as well as Gary's son, Stephen Glenn, made the decision. Now, much of the anger was towards long-time power broker and 1980s premiership captain, George Paponis. Yeah, so that's really sad, you know, because... They would have all played together, you know, yeah. in that 1980s premiership winning side. And just, yeah, yeah. just some of them just becoming bitter enemies. Oh. Yeah. So just really sad what happened. So in recent years, the family, um, yeah, the family club have a new board and they've made steps to reunite and mend the fractured relationships. And Gary Hughes attended a Bulldogs function in 2018. Yeah, so even uh, Steve Mortimer, he's part, you know, former Where Are They Now? He's yeah. part of that new board. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, they've got this new board on now and they're and this is what Parramatta don't do and yeah. which Canterbury are doing. And I wish Parramatta would take note, acknowledge some of these great players from, you know, the 70s and 80s. Yeah. And, you know put them in some of these leadership positions. Mm. Yeah. You know, you, you get guys like Ray Price and Sturlo and Brett Kenny and, yeah. you know, yeah, no, we don't want you. Yeah. So, Graham Hughes said, I just know the feelings of our family. We're, we are all, we are really supportive of the people. So this is quote, he says, I just know the feelings of our family. We are really supportive of the people who are back to remind everybody of the club we once were, end of quote. Yeah. So, yeah, they're slowly getting back there, the Bulldogs, and uh, they've got some big signings for next year. They've nicked a few good Parramatta players. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's the story of Graham Hughes. Okay. Yeah. Right, so we're going to look at some other well-known sports people now who have excelled in two sports. And some of them and even more. So this guy here, we're going way back <laughs> to the early 1900s. Yeah. And his name was Jim Thorpe. Now, according to sportsaspire.com, Thorpe won Olympic gold medals in the pentathlon and decathlon in 1912. Yeah, so he also played American football in college and as a professional and also played baseball and basketball professionally. Now, he lost his Olympic titles when it was discovered that he was paid for playing two seasons of semi-professional baseball. However, the International Olympic Committee restored his Olympic medals after his death. Yeah, so the next guy, it's interesting, this fella. Yeah, yeah Dion Lewin Sanders Sr. Now, he's, he's, I'd say he's a really big name in America. Yeah, not so much here, but... Oh, boy, what an athlete this bloke was. So he played American football and baseball at the professional level during the same time period. So he he did a Bo Jackson. Now, he is the only person to play in both a Super Bowl and a World Series. Now, Sanders won the Jim Thorpe Award in 1988. Now, his nickname, Primetime and Neon Dion. 
and he played in the NFL for 14 seasons with the Atlanta Falcons, San Francisco 49ers, the Dallas Cowboys, the Washington Redskins, and the Baltimore Ravens. So he's played for more clubs than Slim Dusty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he liked to move around a bit. Yeah. Uh. Uh. Now, Jeremy Kaufman in the bleacherreport.com said as a lockdown uh, quarterback, it was almost impossible to beat Sanders, and he had 53 career interceptions. He was also an amazing punt returner and also received significant playing time as a wide receiver. Now, Sanders was also a baseball outfielder for nine seasons in the Major League Baseball, with the New York Yankees, Atlanta Braves, Cincinnati Reds, and the San Francisco Giants. So you like moving around there too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say, I think he got bored at, at all the clubs he went to. Yeah. Now he won two Super Bowl titles and made one World Series appearance in 1992. And he accumulated 304 stolen bases and collected 39 home runs in his baseball career. Right, so we're going way back now. Again, now this is a former Aussie athlete, Reginald Snowy Baker. Yeah, so he was an Aussie athlete who excelled at a number of sports. Now he won the New South Wales Swimming and Boxing Championships as a teenager. He played rugby union for Eastern Suburbs. And he also represented New South Wales against Queensland. Now, according to Scrum.com, in 1904, he played for Australia in two tests against Great Britain. So he was a wallaby. Mm. Now, at the 1908 London Olympics, Baker represented Australia in swimming and diving. And he also won a silver medal in the middleweight boxing. Now, back in those days, um, Australia and New Zealand competed together. Yeah. At a couple of those Olympics there. They, oh, yeah. Yeah, they were called Australasia. Yeah. Yeah. They actually won the rugby gold medal. I think it was the London Olympics they won that. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, gee. Yeah. Represented Australia, what, swimming, diving, boxing. So four sports. Yeah. Bless my soul. Mm-hmm. Now, Marion Jones. Now, former American world champion track and field athlete. And prof- she was also a professional basketball player. Now, she was the number one female athlete in the world, winning three gold medals and two bronze medals at the Sydney 2000 Olympics. However, she was later stripped of these medals when she admitted taking steroids. Yeah, so that's, you know, she ended up going to basketball, focusing on a basketball after that. Yeah. But at least she owned up to it, you yeah. know. Yeah. Where a lot of them were, you know, no, no, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's all the evidence under the sun, you know. Right, so we're going to talk about the great man, Michael Jordan now. Now, he's considered as the greatest basketball player of all time. Jordan played 15 seasons in the NBA for the Chicago Bulls and the Washington Wizards. Now, he won five MVP awards, six NBA championships, and three All-Star Game MVP awards, and two Olympic gold medals too. Now, according to Ryan Fagan in the SportingNews.com, Jordan played 127 regular season games for the Birmingham Barons, 
the Chicago White Sox. So, yeah, the Birmingham Barrings, they're an a affiliate club of Chicago, Chicago White Sox. Yeah. So it's like what you have with the rugby league here, you know, like, say, like uh, Tweet Heads in the Queensland competition. They're an affiliate club of yeah. the Gold Coast Titans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you go really well for Tweet Heads, you get to – Play for the Titans, you know. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So now the next guy, this guy's interesting, Jeff Wilson. So he's a very gifted, he was a very gifted New Zealand sportsman who represented his country in both rugby union and cricket. And he also played basketball and won national secondary school titles in track and field. Now he played 60 tests for the All Blacks between 1993 and 2001. He scored 44 tries as a winger and fullback and is ranked 12th on the list of the highest test try scorers in rugby history. Yeah, so he's, he's famous for um, oh, that tackle in 1994. He was the guy who had the ball. He was about to score a try, yeah. win the game for the All Blacks. And George Gregan came over and did that incredible tackle and saved the game for the Wallabies. Yeah, yeah and Australia won the Bledisloe Cup. Uh, Gee, we could do with some of that now. Yeah, so cool. Well, they won last week, the Wallabies, with 14 yeah. men against England. So, yeah, hope they get up tonight. They're, I think they're playing here in Brisbane tonight. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, good luck to them. Anyway, he played 72 games for the Otago Highlanders in the Super Rugby competition. Now, he was also an all-rounder in cricket, playing as a right-handed batsman and fast-medium bowler. And he played six one-day internationals and he top scored once with 44 not out. And that was against Australia. He, he um, yeah, smashed Steve War all around the ground and yeah. won the game for New Zealand. Yeah. And he had best bowling figures of two for 21. Two wickets for 21 runs. So he played professional cricket for Otago. And, oh, boy, it gets cold down there. That's right down the bottom of New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Down around Dunedin. And yeah. Yeah. So he played his first ADI for New Zealand in 1993. And he was a hard-hitting batsman. Now, according to ESPN Crick Info, Wilson holds the world record for the longest gap between consecutive one-day internationals when he made his return to the New Zealand side in 2005 in a match against Australia. This was after nearly 12 years. So that's a long time between games. Yeah. Yeah. Now, after retiring from rugby, Wilson resumed playing cricket for Otago and he retired at the end of the 2005 season due to a persistent injury. Well, the reason there was such a big gap there was because, you know, he was just a a regular in the all-black side. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He was a great player. Now, John Elway Jr., now, he's an American football quarterback. He played college football at Stanford and had a successful career with the Denver Broncos for 16 years. Now, he won two Super Bowl titles with the Broncos in 1998 and 1999, and he was another one who also excelled in baseball and was selected by the New York Yankees in the second round of the Major League Baseball draft in 1981. Yeah, so, yeah, he's one of the all-time greats, apparently. 
yeah. in yeah, in American football. Now this guy's in amazing. I, I had no idea this guy played American football as well. But his nickname, this is Bob Hayes. Now his nickname was Bullet Bob. Bullet, Bullet uh, Bob. Uh, yeah. Now he was an Olympic gold medalist sprinter. He then became an American football wide receiver in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys for 11 seasons. Now he's the only athlete to win an Olympic gold medal. So that was the 100 metres at the 1964 Olympics. So he's become the fastest man in the world in 1964. And then he also won a Super Bowl ring. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Amazing. I know they were different times, but, you know, that'd be like Linford Christie. I mean, what's his name? No, um, Usain Bolt. Yeah. Yeah. You know, (laughs) winning a Super Bowl title too. Yeah. But he's another one. He played two sports. When he retired from athletics, he yeah. he played um, some games in exactly. the in the A League, yeah. the Central Coast Mariners. Yeah. Yeah. But no, he didn't have much luck though. Uh. Yeah. Now Hayes' speed forced teams to go to a zone because no single player could match his speed. Now, according to Adam Rank from the National Football League, Hayes' first two seasons were his most successful when he led the NFL both times in receiving touchdowns with 12 and 13 touchdowns respectively. Now when Hayes won the 100 metres goal, he tied the then world record with a time of 10.06 seconds. And he was, according to a book written on his life, Run Bullet Run, The Rise and Fall and Recovery of Bob Hayes, Running in lane one, which had been used the day before the two hundred, uh, sorry, the twenty-kilometer walk, and had badly chewed up the cinder track. Yeah, so back in those days, yeah, the the um, tracks were dirt, cinder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. where now they're artificial. Yeah, so yeah, they're running around, you know, with divots on the um, athletics track. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, he also ran in borrowed spikes too. Now, Hayes also won gold in the 4 by 100 metres with his USA teammates, which broke the world record. Right, so next lady, this lady here, her name's Lolo Jones. So she's an American hurdler and she was also in the bobsled. Now, she won gold medals in the 60 metres and the 100 metre hurdles at the World Indoor Championships in 2008 and 2010. Now, in the bobsled, she won the 2021 IBSF World Championships as the brakeman for Kaylee Humphreys. Now, she won gold at the 2008 World Championships in athletics in the 100-metre hurdles and won a gold medal in the bobsled at the 2013 World Championships in the mixed event. I didn't know they had a mixed event. Yeah. Oh. Now, she also represented the USA in the 2014 Winter Olympics, making her a dual Olympian as well. Now, we're going to talk about the man now. Uh, Anthony the man, Mundine. (laughs) Not with his blow-up with Jeff Fennick now, but this is uh, his sporting career. So he's a controversial former rugby league star and professional boxer. Now, he was the highest-paid player in the NRL before going to boxing in 2000, 
where he won world titles in the middleweight and welterweight divisions. Yeah, so from 1993 to 2000, he played 134 first-grade games for St. George, Brisbane and St. George Illawarra. And he also played three State of Origins for New South Wales in 1999. And when he retired in 2000, he went on at a 21-year boxing career, just retiring last year. Yeah. He's interesting because whenever you see him on the media, you just, you know, he's just, you, you see, see him as, you know, this guy with a big mouth and yeah. saying inappropriate things, you know, especially about, you know, when 9-11 happened and, yeah. you know, those terrible comments that he made. But, yeah, you know, Hear all these sportsmen who talk about him, yeah, like Kathy Freeman and uh, oh, there was someone I was listening to the other day. Oh. Yeah, um, yeah, but they say away from that, he's like away from the camera, he's like about the nicest bloke you'll ever meet, yeah. and he does all this work for charity and yeah. you know, and apparently like he's very quiet and in public yeah. in real life. Yeah, um. so a lot of what he does is you know. Yeah, like what Muhammad Ali used to do. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so we're going to go right back again, and we're going to talk about a man called C.B. Fry. He was an Englishman. So he's an English sportsman. Now, this guy, (laughs) he was also a teacher, a writer, an editor, and a publisher, and he represented England in both cricket and football. Yeah. So he played 26 tests between 1896 and 1912 in cricket. Can you remember that, Glenn? No. <laughs> you around then? No. <laughs> and one appearance as a fullback for England in 1901 in football. Yeah, it's still good, isn't it, making one appearance? Yeah. Gosh. Now he scored two test centuries with an average of 32.18 and a top score of 144. Now, that's still a pretty good average back in those days because, you know, these were the days of uncovered pitches and, yeah, yeah, batting wasn't like what it is now a lot of the time, you know, where they bat on these roads. (laughs) Now, we're going to talk about Rick Charlesworth now. So he's a sports coach and politician, but he also played first-class cricket for Western Australia in the 1970s. And he also played field hockey for Australia, picking up a silver medal at the 1976 Olympics. So he coached the Australian women's hockey team to Olympic gold in 1996 and 2000. And he played 47 games for Western Australia in cricket. So this would have been, you know, with Dennis Lilly and Rod Marsh and their fellow Western Australians and Kim Hughes. And in hockey, he played an incredible... 227 games for Australia, wow. scoring 85 goals, yeah. and he also captained the Kookaburras. Now, I don't know if you heard of this guy. Yeah, the Wok, Warren Ryan. Yeah. So he's a former rugby league coach and a player, and he's one of the most influential coaches ever in the game. Yeah, so he coached Canterbury-Bankstown to premiership success in 1984-85 and he was a runner-up with Newtown in 1981 and Parra won their first competition. Yeah. And he was also coached Canterbury when they were runners-up in 86. That was Parra's last year they won a premiership. And with Balmain in 89, he was a scapegoat because um, he took off Paul Sirenen and... Uh, Steve Roach 
Oh, yeah. You know, with about 10 minutes to go because he thought Balmain had the game won in. And, uh, yeah, oh, that proved costly. Gave Canberra a sniff and they went on and won the premiership. Yeah. Yeah, so he's played 23 first-grade games of rugby league in the 1960s. And he also represented Australia in the shot put at the 1962 Commonwealth Games. They were called the Empire Games back then. Yeah. Yeah, so... You know how I was talking about, you know, with, with Graham Hughes when he was playing Canterbury were called the entertainers. Yeah. Yeah, well, when R- Warren Ryan came on and coached them uh, not long after he retired. Yeah. Yeah, they went from being this really entertaining team, you know, like the Harlem Globetrotters, yeah. to being this dull, you know, yeah. just tackle, tackle, <laughs> like, yeah, like grind, attrition team. Yeah. Yeah. So, but he had great success, you know, doing it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just bash teams into oblivion. Yeah. Yeah. So, next person is Jim Brown. So, he's American football running back and lacrosse midfielder. Now, Jeremy Kaufman reports again that Brown was widely considered the greatest running back of all time. And he played nine seasons in the NFL with the Cleveland Browns. From 1957 to 1965. And he was also a solid receiver out in the backfield, performing some trick plays, throwing the ball. Now, he is in the Lacrosse Hall of Fame. Not much is known about his lacrosse career, Uh. but he's considered to be one of the greatest lacrosse players of all time. Mm. It's quite a big sport, you know, in America and Canada. Not really here, but, yeah. Yeah. I used to coach it. You know, teach it at school. It's, yeah. It's a bit, uh, bit like hockey, you know. They uh, play with a net. Uh, yeah. okay. So Scott Draper. So he's an Aussie. He's a former Aussie tennis player. He won the Australian Open mixed doubles with Sam Stoser in 2005. And in singles, he reached the fourth round of the 1995-96 French Opens, the fourth round at the US Open in 1997, and his most significant achievement was winning the Queen's Club tournament in 1998. And, yeah, he was the lowest-ranked player in history to do so. So the Queen's Club, that's the big lead-up tournament to Wimbledon. Yeah. Yeah. So he made his professional golf debut in 2005, and he won the 2007 New South Wales PGA title on the Von Nider Tour. Yeah. Now, this guy here... Bronco de Jura. I know him personally. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. yeah, he um, he uh, worked at the cricket team I played for, Katoomba uh, RSL. Yeah. Yeah, he worked in the in, in the bar there. Yeah. So, out, you know, myself and the other players, we had a lot to do with him. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he, he coached me a bit in cricket. Yeah. Yeah, yeah really nice bloke. Yeah, so he's a former rugby league player in the 1980s and early 90s. He played 96 first-grade games, mainly for South Sydney, playing mainly fullback. And he was South Sydney's top try scorer in 1986. Now, he's also an outstanding wicketkeeper batsman, and he represented Australian schoolboys in both cricket and rugby league. He even kept the great Ian Healy out of the... Schoolboy side, yeah. but he, he was another one. He played, you know, grade first grade, uh, first grade cricket and 
first grade rugby league at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, back in the 80s. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, our current uh, test wicketkeeper now, Alex Carey. So he's Australia's current wicketkeeper in all three formats of the game. And he captained Australia in one-day cricket. He's played – well, he's playing his 10th test at the moment. I was watching him bat last night. He, yeah. he batted really well. Like, he came in at the – you know, towards the end yeah. of the first day there against Sri Lanka in Gaul. And yeah. the spinners are turning the ball at right angles, you know. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so we'd lost, you know, about three quick wickets. And, yeah, he came in with Steve Smith and – Batted uh, really well to get yeah. us through the stumps. Yeah. Steve Smith scored his first century since January 2021. Uh. Mm. Yeah, so he's also played 53 one-day internationals and 38 T20 internationals. Now, he was captain of the GWS Giants Aussie Rules team in 2010. Now, he decided to concentrate on cricket full-time in 2012 when he was left out of the Giants' side when they joined the AFL. Now, you probably heard of this bloke, Glenn, Jonty Rhodes. Yeah. Yeah, the great former South African cricketer. Now, he's regarded as one of the greatest fielders of all time. Now, he used to, he used to field in that point position. And, oh, boy, he used to do the most incredible saves and catches. And yeah. Yeah, so he played cricket for South Africa between 1992 and 2003. He played 52 test matches, averaging, according to Wikipedia, 35.66. Now, he also played 245 ODIs, averaging 35.11. That's a very good average for one-day cricket. He also represented South Africa in hockey and represented his country in games leading up to the 1992 Olympics. Now, he was also selected the trial for the 1996 Olympics. Yeah. I could imagine him being a really good hockey player too. Yeah. Yeah. So, there we go. Time to reveal this week's Who Am I? And the answer is... Elise Perry. Elise Perry. Yeah, what an athlete she is. Yeah. Okay, we'll do our top five now. Yeah, so I've got uh, number five. I've got Rick Charlesworth. Well, I'm going to cheat again. I've got three of them all in fifth place. place. (laughs) (laughs) I can't split them at all. Yeah, Rick Charlesworth, Lolo Jones and Jeff Wilson. Now, in fourth place, I've got Anthony Mundine. Third place, I've got our man from last week, Mr. Bo Jackson. Yeah. And number two, I've got Dion Sanders. Yeah. Yeah. And number one, I have Mr. Bob Hayes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't beat that, you know, like winning <laughs> 100 metres, which is <laughs> at the Olympics – Becoming the fastest man in the world and yeah. also going on and winning Super Bowl titles. Yeah. Wow. You know, but he didn't, probably didn't get much recognition back then because this is back, you know, in the 60s, you know, and, yeah, America was very racially divided, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Who was your number one, you reckon, Glenn? Mm. Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson, yeah. 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 
Yeah, no, it's pretty tricky. Yeah, I, I definitely had to have an American there. Yeah, you know, just with the, yeah, yeah, you know, just how competitive it is, and you know, with their big population, and yeah, no, very interesting. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so next episode. Uh, yeah, I've got a, I've got a topic. Yep. Seeing that this week was NATO week. Yeah. I think we should do an episode. Next episode should cover indigenous sport. Yeah? Yeah. I thought we did one on that. Oh, you're looking at what sports people or? Yeah. Oh, okay. But, yeah. You know, like the, you know, they had the, um, the NATO week. Um, pers- yeah. Uh, uh, hang on, I've lost the um, you know, awards. Yeah. Ash Barty received the award. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. No, we can do that. We can do two next week. What What I was thinking is, um, it's Bastille Day. Yeah. On the fourteenth of uh, yeah. July. Yeah. Now, do you know what country celebrates Bastille Day? France. France. Yeah. yeah. So I was thinking we could also talk about um, some of the great uh, French sports people from yeah. over the years. Yeah. Not just that, French sport in general. Because okay. I've always had a great passion for uh, for France and, you know, going there several times and, yeah. yeah. You know, I've got a mate, that he was born in France mm-hmm. and um, he's lived in Australia for many decades. Yeah. And I saw him a couple of years ago and he'd been back to France and he said he'd never go back again. Yeah. He just said it was just... Really gone downhill to what it was like when he was growing up. Yeah. 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 Well. Um, yeah. Just after I left there in 2015. Yeah. Yeah. That's when they started having the uh, the terrorism. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think you know things might probably gone downhill since then too. Yeah. 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 Bonjour, Livy. What other French words do you know? How do you say that? And the same to you. Comment vous appelez vous? Yeah. That means what is your name? Je m'appelle Paul. Je m'appelle Olivia. Yeah. Okay. So, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Sports Shack. So, it's a good burp. <laughs> Glenn's just done a good burp. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well said. <laughs> yeah, I was trying. To, I was trying to hide it away from the mic, but didn't get the time. <laughs> so uh, it's a goodbye from Paul. It's a goodbye from Len. Goodbye. Bye. G'day, it's me again. Please check out the Sporting Shack on Facebook if you like this for posts and other likes and shares. Have a great sporting week. Please check out Gold Studio Productions on Facebook. Until next time...